now we're recording. What a way to start. It has been a day. Oh, a good day? <laughs> no. No. I just, Kelsey made some delicious dinner, and because she made it, uh, like, I put it away, and... I was trying to pour, it was like pot roast, and I was like, well, we want the pot roast juices into the Tupperware. Of course. So I decided it was a small circular Tupperware and a, what's the contraption where it's like a rounded rectangle that holds food and you can cook in it and you can put a glass hat on it. Casserole dish? Yeah. So it was in that, which have really real thick, but curved Edges. edges, yeah. And so I poured it and it just went everywhere. So that's why oh. I had to move the, the uh, what's it called? Move oven. the oven. But we have a really small kitchen, so I couldn't push the oven all the way out. So I had to lay on my tummy on the corner of the counter and hang upside down <laughs> and clean the side of the counter. <laughs> so well, I little- wonder if- when you texted me and you're like, uh, I, what do you say? Like, I messed something up. I have to pull the oven out. And I was like, I'll just ask her about it in a few minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah, I think I sent you, I need to move the oven. I've made a mistake. Yes, that's exactly. Yes, that's what you said. And I just said, okay, sounds good. <laughs> I'll be on TikTok. <laughs> Would you like to hear, though, how I tried to save a duck today? I... Would love nothing more, genuinely. Okay, good. So as you know, and as many of our hemisphere of the world knows, it is very, very fucking cold right now, like 20, 30 degrees below zero type of cold. But my girls got these, I don't know why they got them at school or for what, but they got these like little coupons for a free personal pan pizza. Oh, that was a lot of I thought you were going to say a free duck, and I was like, whoa. (laughs) A free duck for learning their alphabet. You know, when you get a duck for that. Um, No, personal pan pizza. Maybe I wouldn't be dyslexic if I had a free duck. Let's start the give a duck for reading program. (laughs) (laughs) We give a duck about reading. (gasps) That's so cute. Write that down. Okay, okay, okay. We will start that program. We don't have that program now, unfortunately. So they got a pizza from Pizza Hut, which... I truly have not gone to that place since I worked there when I was 17. So I didn't really want to, but they are so hyped about these personal pizzas because they've never had one before because I'm a bad mom. So I had been putting it off and putting it off and they were finally like, can we please have our our pizza this evening? I'm like, fine. So I call it in and I decide I'm going to go pick it up because the roads are kind of yucky and I don't want to be one of those people that's like, well, I'm going to order delivery for everything so that somebody else has to go out on the bad roads. I head out. Mm-hmm. I get the pizza. That goes fine. I'm coming back. And the way I'm coming back, it's four lanes, two on one side, two on the other. And I'm going down the road and I see something in the middle of like the right two lanes on the ground. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what is that? And as I'm going by, I see it's a fucking duck and like a real duck. Like I can <laughs> sort of see its head moving but it's just sitting there on the ground and it stays there as I go by. It stays there as other cars go by. And I'm like, holy shit, I think it's frozen to the ground. So I'm, as I'm driving, I can't stop thinking about this duck. So I call my husband and I know that this is a mistake as soon as I do it because, I mean, what is he going to tell me? 
And I knew that going in, but I call him anyway because I didn't know who else to call because we don't have duck police. And I was like, hey, so I tell him the story about the duck and he's like, I don't really know what you can do. He goes, unless you have a bucket of hot water to melt the ice, like you're really not going to be able to do anything. And then I look around my car, like maybe I forgot that I do have a kettle of hot water in the car. A hot plate. Yeah. So I'm still thinking about this duck. I've already turned around so Mm -hmm. I can loop back and see if the duck is still there. He is not helpful. I ask him, I'm like, can I call animal control? He's like, no, it's Sunday. So I'm like, fuck. I go back. The duck is still sitting in the middle of the road, okay? Like, it has not moved. I see it kind of shuffling a little bit, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's just hurting my heart. So I pull over, like, way in front of it, and I put my little hazard thingies on, Mm -hmm. and I get out of my car trying not to get run over. Luckily, there wasn't a lot of traffic. I'm like, someone's going to, like, slide and run into me, and that's how I go, being a stupid fucking idiot. I get within maybe 10 feet of this duck. Mm -hmm. It flies the fuck away. (laughs) No. Yeah, it it just takes right off. It did me like that. I think it should have just, even though it obviously wasn't stuck, I think it should have just stayed there and let you like pick it up. Yes, because I was also a little bit excited. I thought I'm going to get to like cradle a duck. Like I'm going to get to pick it up and scoop it up in my arms. They can be really cute pets. Not this one. This one basically flipped me off as it flew away. I could not believe it. Just two little wings. Bye. Bye. I'm like, why did I scare it walking up to it? But the cars literally flying past it as it's on the ground didn't scare it. I don't know. That was a scam artist duck, and so I'm pissed about it. What? I'm surprised like five ducks didn't jump out of the bushes (laughs) (laughs) and pull knives on you ambush me and then I had to walk all the way back to my car after people probably saw me trying to approach this duck (laughs) well on the bright side because it's icy but people are still going fast on that road they see you for like a split second I hope so because I just felt really embarrassed and sad I mean it was literally a sitting duck and I was trying to help it (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't let me. can't even catch a sitting duck. No. And I I hate being one of those people. You know, I'll see something like that and I'll think like somebody else will take care of it. And I'm trying not to be that person. And as soon as I try, guess who looks like an idiot? No, but I think think that's commendable. I think that's a lot of times one of the reasons why people are that person is because they like stand up for somebody or do something like once or twice and it doesn't go well. And they're just like, never mind, I won't anymore. I think it takes... A lot of courage to look stupid on the highway trying to save a duck that can fly. And I'm proud of you. Thank you. You're just like, why did it do that? (laughs) So rude. Do you remember when I used to, like, if I found dogs loose outside, I would just bring them into our yard. And then sometimes mom. Do you remember that time? There's this huge, I mean, it was like a Bernese mountain dog. And I found it scamping around. And where we lived was close to a really busy road. It was mm-hmm. the house that we both love that I can't believe mom and dad sold because they hate us. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that one. And I was afraid that this dog was going to get hit. So I just b- brought the dog into our yard and mom comes out and there's just, and mom's a little afraid of dogs. Like she likes smaller dogs. Shiloh was like a bing bong. So she was good with Shiloh and stuff. Yeah. But mom just opens up the... <laughs> the door and like the screen door and pretty much is like what like what why what the hell is that and I'm pretty sure I just yelled like I liberated it (laughs) 
But then we did have to figure out who it belonged to. There is that. Yeah. And those are huge dogs. Mm -hmm. It was such a nice dog, though, and it loved hanging out in the yard with me. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And we did find its its home. It was like right. It was really close by. So I didn't have to like trek Even far. Better. Yeah. yeah. But then one time, Kelsey and I, we are living on, there's this street in the town that I now reside that is like while working in news, there was just constantly like incredibly violent crimes on it and mm-hmm. lots of drugs. Um, and sometimes I would go running there at 11 p.m. at night, just chilling. Anywho. Good. So it was winter, so it was cold as dick. And I heard something outside, which is like the start of any horror movie. But it sounded like a dog being sad. That's how they get you. Yeah, no, I know that. And that's like, most likely it's not that. And if it is, <laughs> then go with God, I guess. So I think it was maybe like 5 a.m. And I hear this sad dog. And Kelsey is just like, oh my God, she's like it's fine but it wasn't fine because it was really fucking cold so i go outside and i bring this chonky little uh westy into the house oh and (laughs) yarrow walks out (laughs) and goes i'm not i've his mouth made a perfect o and he he did this (laughs) and looked at me with that little like perfect it's so he looked like a cartoon i've never seen a cat or dog like it was a perfect o and just like (laughs) what and he just froze there and stared at it and (laughs) then I was like okay it had a collar and Kelsey was like we're not driving around right now so we just like kept it in the house for like an hour because we figured anyways like the person's not going to be up and then I think at six I called and it was like the number didn't work or something if I remember correctly so then we started driving to the location where like it had on the tag Mm mm-hmm and like the people had moved. It was obvious like nobody lived there. So then oh, no. Then I had the brilliant idea of because I was like, we can't just like I don't want to bring the dog to the pound or something like that. So I noticed it had a veterinary place on it. And so oh. I called them and they were familiar with the dog. Oh, the dog I think got car sick because sh- she did throw up curly fries in, <laughs> in Kelsey's car. Somebody had fed her curly fries recently. Oh, no. Uh, but then we dropped uh, we dropped the dog off, and she was reunited with her person. Oh, that was a good idea to call the vet's office. Thank you. I felt very smart. But that, I mean, that mm-hmm. went from like 5 a.m. until it was almost 9 a.m. Like, we were trying to find anybody <sighs> and get a hold of people, and it was oh, an adventure. Shit. Yeah, sounds like it. Anyway. I'm in a different seating position because I noticed a lot of noises coming from my chair that last episode. Mm-hmm. Like I can't move it all without it making farting noises. So I am now in a very uncomfortable wooden chair for this recording. And I'm I'm not happy about it, but like I do it for you guys because I don't think you should have to hear farts or what sound like farts throughout your <laughs> listening experience. So you're yeah, welcome. I didn't it's edit all them out. You. There's just too many. I know. I know. I was like listening through little clips last night and I was like, damn it. My chair did it again. And she didn't edit any of them out. I'm sorry. I was, it was a, it was a rushed edit. Cause you were trying to sabotage me. <laughs> that too. That too. Would you like to know what we are talking about today? I would love nothing more now that I have okay. the duck story. This is what I want. Cause I'm like, you can say no if you want to. 
I just get up and leave. You're like, <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm good. I'm good. Not feeling it actually, but thank you. So Sid and valued listeners, I would like you all to hold on to your bazoomas and put on your fish party hats, party, <laughs> because today we are discussing the confessions of our girl, Georgia Nicholson. <gasps> oh, ah! that is a delight and unexpected. I'm so excited. Me too. She came up in our quiz a couple weeks ago, and I thought, you know what? I've been thinking about it a lot. It would be nice to get into something that's a little bit lighthearted and fun, you know, because our podcast is so serious. Yeah, I was kind of uh, like, you know how dark it is. Well, sometimes I <laughs> Sometimes. What are we going to drop this time? What weird and painful little factoids are you and I going to share with each other? Who knows? I don't actually have one right now, but we'll see. Damn it. Okay. So listen. The Georgia Nicholson series, if you haven't read it, was based on the teenage confessions of, you guessed it, Georgia Nicholson. It was an English series written by author and comedian Louise Renison. And Louise passed away in 2016, unfortunately, but she was an interesting lady. So I wanted to talk about her a bit. Her first major success was a one-woman show she wrote in the 1980s. And it was called Stevie Wonder Felt My Face. I did not look into it further. It's a great title. I thought that's, that's a, all I need to know. That's fantastic. Uh, so later on, she went on to have a column in a London newspaper where it seems like she got to write about pretty much anything she wanted. And this got the attention of the Piccadilly Press, which I did not know was a real thing, to approach her about writing a teenage diary book. This is directly from Wikipedia. Quote, they said her writing was so self-obsessed and so childish that she would be perfect to write such a book. (laughs) Okay, wow. Um, Piccadilly Press, everyone. (laughs) 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 Who needs friends? (laughs) Or who needs enemies? Right, there you go. When you have friends like the Piccadilly Piccadilly Press. Press. (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to think it was a compliment. Uh, Anyway. She went on to write the Georgia Nicholson series. So I guess, yay for all of us. Here's a fun fact. Louise actually used names and stories of people in her childhood in the book. So in a bookpage.com interview that I will link in the show notes, she says, quote, my parents beg and plead for me not to admit this, but all the things in the books actually happened and all the people are based entirely on real people. So before you ask, yes, I did go to a party dressed as a stuffed olive. And yes, I did shave off my eyebrows by mistake. By the way, never do this unless you want to stay in your room for the next 40 years. The sadness (laughs) is that I put real people's names in it. So I fully expect to be killed by Elvis Atwood, the school caretaker, when I go back to my old school. That's phenomenal. Right? She is unstoppable. Correct. I... I can't imagine right now writing and just using, like not even using aliases or mixing the names around. I cannot imagine doing that. And we didn't go to like a super large high school. And No. But I, I just, maybe it's because of social media now, but that seems also so freeing. Right? That she was just like, oh, I'm just going to use their, their real names. And then I'm also like, she's a comedian as well. Is she, is this like a bit? Like, is she telling people this to be funny? I don't really know, and I didn't look into it any farther because I'm not a good researcher, but that's that's what she said in this interview. So, To me, it doesn't come across as a bit because I feel mm-hmm. like the point of, or not the point of a bit, but usually y- you know. 
True. I mean, maybe you don't always know. I I, I don't know how to phrase it, but it just... It's wild. It seems weird if she just answered this one question, like, I'm going to do a bit here. And then (laughs) there's no back and forth between her and the interviewer and the bit is done. That's fair. That's fair. Anyway, um, stuffed olive, no eyebrows, all sorts of other shenanigans and hijinks allegedly happened, which is pretty phenomenal. In this same interview, she also said that, quote, she wrote not in an attempt to teach, but to make herself laugh. She said, I wanted Georgia to be a decent person. I wanted her to be someone who is a bit stupid and self-obsessed and difficult and funny and rude and a bit jealous and all those other things. But I wanted her to have a good heart. This reminded me a lot of, first of all, that's kind of teenagers in a nutshell. Like Mm -hmm. most of them really are assholes. And it reminded me though of what we were talking about in our first episode about Sailor Moon, where Serena's character is very much a typical girl of that age. Like she can be very selfish and flighty and kind of a bad friend sometimes. And like really overdramatic and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yes. All right. I am going to quiz you today on Georgia Nicholson slang. So are you ready? I am so ready. Number one, what does having the painters in mean? Oh, and there's no, there's no like multiple choice. It's just. Oh, no, no. You just have to know. Uh, Think of, think of a color. It's okay. Is it like, is it your period? Yes, it, it is. Okay. That was my first guess, but then I was like, is that going to sound ridiculous? And then when you said color, I was like, obviously, it's blood from your vajingles. I feel like you knew it deep down in your heart. You don't have to be scared of your knowledge. You're right. I'm a powerful jaguar. Number two, what does stroppy mean? Does it mean, is it good or bad? It sounds bad. Uh, It is. It's a negative. Is it Let like frumpy? Can... Uh, it's more of an emotion. Is it like frustrated? Yeah, kind of. Please um, use it in a sentence. I I got very stroppy when my child accidentally dropped her toy in my coffee, which is a true story that happened this morning. I mean, that sounds like pissed or like exasperated and frustrated. Yeah. And I probably, that maybe wasn't the best example. So I'm going to read, do you remember in the back of the books, there was a glossary? Uh, Not really because you were the one who read them to me. Oh, okay. Fair. So anyway, there's a glossary in the back of these books and it lays out kind of all of her sort of made up terms and then kind of just English slang that us Americans might not know. So stroppy, and this is directly from the book, is a very useful expression and is a state in between having a nervy bee, nervous breakdown, and a tantrum. For instance, you would get stroppy or throw a strop if your mom would not let you borrow her Chanel handbag for no reason other than she says you would lose it. You would not quite have a nervy bee because it is, after all, just a handbag. However, you are perfectly entitled to get stroppy if you can't have what you want. Okay, stroppy. Third and final question. What are dealy boppers? Is it an item of clothing? Uh, or is it boobs? Accessory. <laughs> uh, earrings? No. More Nipple geared tassels. towards children. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so new. New? Uh, geared towards ch- I, I don't know. I was hoping you were going to pick like snogging or things like that where I know these. I have Everybody no idea. Everybody knows what snogging is. I Come know. On. I'm not going to go that easy on you. So dealy boppers are those like antenna... Headband things with the balls on the end. Mm, okay. 
Dealy Boppers. Dealy Boppers. Dealy Boppers. Okay. The books in order. Uh, I only reread the first one for this episode, but I've read all of them several times. So the first is Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging, and it came out in 1999. Whoa. I didn't realize they were that old, but I mean, I guess it makes sense because you read them to me at the Z House, which mm-hmm. would have been in the 90s. Yeah. And that early 2000s. Wild, right? That's banana bread. And a side note on this, and probably mom will have a correction for me, um, and that's fine. I am pretty sure that mom bought me the first book, and I remember being a little bit weirded out because it has thongs in the title, and like my mother was buying it for me. So it was one of those moments where like I was the prude and going like, what is wrong with my mom? Like, why did she buy me this book when it talks about thongs? I wonder what made mom pick it out. She probably like saw something on Oprah. I don't know. Mom, call in. Your mom's senses should be tingling that we need you right now. Nope, she can't hear us. Damn it. So some of these have UK titles and different English titles, which is interesting that not all of them do. And I'm not sure what the reasoning was behind Mm -hmm. that. So the second book, uh, the UK title was It's Okay, I'm Wearing Really Big Knickers. The U.S. title was On the Bright Side, I'm Now the Girlfriend of a Sex God, and that came out in 2001. Third book is Knocked Out by My Nunga Nungas. That's 2002. (laughs) Dancing in My Nudie Pants was 2003. The next one, the U.K. title was And That's When It Fell Off in My Hand. And Away Laughing on a Fast Camel was the U.S. title. That came out in 2004. 2005 was Then He Ate My Boy in Trancers. 2006 is startled by his furry shorts. Uh, this next one is Lerve is a Many Trousered Thing is the UK version. And Love is a Many Trousered Thing is the US version. I don't know why they couldn't have just kept that one the Yeah, same. that's weird. I mean, if you're a reader of the series, you're going to know what Lerve means. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was 07, which is the year I graduated. Stop in the Name of Pants, 2008. And the last book of the series was called Are These My Bazoomas I See Before Me, 2009. I didn't know there were so many because obviously, like, you didn't read them all to me. I think maybe the first four or five sound familiar. I would say so, too. I can't remember exactly which ones I read to you. Um, But yeah, I do believe I have all of these. I dug out the first book, which is very worn. So I've read it many, many times. But I believe I did see at least a way laughing on a fast camel as I was digging for it. That's the last title that sounds familiar, but I don't know if you read that one to me. And now I'm having second thoughts as far as like, did I read all of these? I'm pretty sure I did. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. The book series focuses on Georgia, obviously, but we also hear a lot about the Ace Gang, which is Georgia's close group of friends. So We have, and I've heard it pronounced two different ways. I've always pronounced it jazz, but I've heard it pronounced jazz as well. How do, how do we say that? Do you know? Riley, I'm dyslexic. I don't know anything about spelling or pronunciation. Okay. I'm going to keep saying it the way I always have. It's J-A-S. So I've always said jazz. Uh, So she's sort of George's best friend of the group, but they have sort of a a frenemy relationship because Mm -hmm. they also, I feel like are the meanest to each other. They are the Sailor Moon and Sailor Mars dynamic. Yes. A little bit. Very true. And there's a lot of, we'll kind of get into this later when we're talking about how it holds up today, but I feel like there's a lot of body shaming from both of them to each other. You know, there's that kind of toxic girl shit, but 
they are the best friends, I suppose. Uh, then we have Rosie. If you'll remember, Rosie meets a guy named Sven, who's like Danish. A little bit. A little bit. You reread these a ton, but you only read them to me once. And I would have been in elementary school and middle school, like early middle school. So, and I haven't read them since. So there's a a lot is going to be quite fuzzy or just gone for me. That's okay. Uh, After Rosie, we have Jules and then Ellen. Ellen's a little bit of like the annoying friend. She's a bit Mm -hmm. of like a goody two shoes as described by Georgia. Uh, And then there's Mabs. So that's the the ace gang in a nutshell then we've got the boys because there's a lot of boy talk in these books in the first one alone we have (laughs) peter dyer he's the professional snogger now i don't know i could have censored this for you when i read it for you but she and her friends go to this boy who (laughs) you pay money to to be like your (laughs) first (laughs) snog And so that you can practice for like the real thing. And she ends up like sort of accidentally dating him for a little bit. So there's him. There is Mark Big Gob. Okay, I remember. Yeah, has a huge mouth. She she often um, compares him to Mick Jagger. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Like it was a comparison that never made sense to me. (laughs) Just because at the time I had no idea who Mick Jagger was. Yeah, that's true. You were a little young. Uh, He also, and again, I could have censored this, but he just like put his hand on her breast at one point and just kind of like let it hang out there. (laughs) So she often refers to him as like the breast fondler as well. (laughs) I am pretty sure you would have censored that. Okay. Well, he did that a couple times. He was kind of gross. He broke up with the one girl he was with to like go be with Georgia for a little bit. And then after he was with Georgia for a bit, he said something to her of the effect of, I'm going back to so-and-so because she lets me do stuff to her. Oh. And then that was just sort of it. Then there is Robbie Jennings, and he is the sex god as referenced in, in the book. And he is Tom's older brother. Tom and Jas end up getting into a relationship pretty early on in this series, and it's it goes, I think, throughout the whole thing pretty much they have a brief breakup in the first book and then they get back together wait and who sorry who is tom again tom is robbie's younger brother okay but you haven't introduced tom beyond that no oh, okay he's just tom. okay he's just robbie's younger brother he ends up with jess he's he's fine mm-hmm. he and jess are kind of like the the stable couple of most of the series i would say um and they also kind of get labeled as a boring couple I feel like, though, in friend groups, that's kind of what happens. It's like the first person to get coupled up with is immediately then sort of like ostracized. And it's like, oh, they're so boring now. Yeah, I think if it's like a healthy relationship. Uh, Then these two were not in the first book, but I remember them deeply. So there's Mass... Is it Massimo? Is that how you say that? I know I already asked you about a pronunciation, but he's Uh, Italian. Massimo, Massimo... How do you spell it? Let's pretend I know. Okay. M-A-S-S-I-M-O. Massimo. Pronunciation. Pronunciation. I mean, could I have done this? Yes. Did I? Mm-mm. Massimo. Massimo. Yeah, either Massimo or Massimo. Massimo. <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't really know how to read pronunciation things. Whatever. Okay. Good enough. Uh, he's the Italian stallion. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then there's Dave the Laugh. Uh, he also dates her friend Ellen for a little bit, which is probably partially why she does not like Ellen as much. I remember the name Dave the Laugh. Dave the Laugh. Yes. And he is a laugh. And I do remember liking him quite a bit because he was like a good friend as well. All right, we are on to the enemies. So we've got Wet Lindsay. <laughs> oh, yeah, Wet Lindsay. Wet Lindsay. And the reason she is the enemy, I'm kind of looking at differently now. So she was actually Robbie, the sex god's girlfriend initially. Mm-hmm. And then is somebody down here? Honey, you got to go to sleep. Okay, I will give you a hug, but you scared me, honey, and you're not supposed to be down here, okay? All right, I love you. You can wave to Auntie Sid real quick. Tell her goodnight. Love you, poodle noodle. Tell her I say love you, poodle noodle. Okay, she says love you. Go back upstairs, please. Okay. When you're just like, is someone down here? I heard something, and then I could see a little shadow. That is terrifying. She was so quiet. I didn't expect dogs. it to be her either. I thought it was maybe coming to ask something because I thought she was asleep. And I'm so glad that I was just talking about a sex god because I can only imagine she's going to go to school tomorrow and be like, my mommy was on a microphone talking about sex gods last night. So <laughs> In the basement. In the she basement. told me I'm not allowed down there. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Ooh. okay. What were we talking about? The sex god and wet Lindsay. Wet Lindsay. Okay. Um. Now I'm just like, maybe I shouldn't have this sheet across because it's very, like, murdery. Um, it is creepy. Okay, what, Lindsay? <laughs> I have begun to rethink a little bit because she was Robbie's girlfriend in the book, like, before Georgia even knew him and developed a crush on him from seeing him at the grocery store that his parents own that both he and Tom work at. And Cute. basically the reason she doesn't like what, Lindsay, is because... Oh, what are you doing down here? Okay. Love you, Poodle Good night Noodle. to both of you. She says, love you. I say, love you, Poodle Noodle. She says, love you, Poodle Noodle. Excuse me. Okay. So apparently dragged her down because she wanted her to say hi to you. I mean, that's pretty cute. Okay. I have this open slightly so I can maybe not be so scared or snuck up on. Anyway, what freaking Wait, Lindsay. hold on. Is David here? Yes. Oh, he's probably so... in bed. <laughs> and they're just coming down. I mean, we're kind of used to them like getting up a little bit here and there. So I'm mm -hmm. sure he just doesn't realize that they're coming all the way to Yeah. It's just like, oh, they're going to the bathroom or like getting. Right. Or sometimes or they will like go to the other one's room or whatever. And <clears throat> anyway, it's fine. It's fine. I might shoot him a text here shortly. Be like, mm -hmm. hey, we need a door down here. Have you seen our kids? Yeah. I'm going to start this for the third time. Honestly, it's built up a lot of anticipation. I really cannot <laughs> wait to hear. I know not... this. See, this is good storytelling, though. It's not even that great, but you're making it feel like it's going to be that great. <sighs> My basic point is that what Lindsay is not the enemy that she is painted to be. Essentially, George's big problem with her is that she was Robbie's girlfriend and she likes him. And it kind of becomes one of those things where... 
Robbie is actually the one who sort of starts flirting with Georgia and kisses her while he's dating Lindsay. And instead of Robbie being the problem, the girls are both fighting over him. Oh, that's disappointing. I know. But I remember reading that as a kid and like hating her. And I believe later in the books, like she genuinely is an a-hole to Georgia and her friends. However, Georgia did kind of go after her mans. So I could understand her being a little bit pissed off. I could understand. Like if I were a wet Lindsay, I would be pissed at both of them. Yes. Like primarily it's shittier, whoever you're dating, it's shittier that they would cheat on you. But it's also like, it's gross that somebody else knows that this person is dating somebody else, you know, another person and doesn't care that they're cheating. So I, you know what? I stand wet Lindsay, I think. I mean- Yeah, I don't, I definitely didn't despise her as much. Like I had that initial feeling when I saw her name, it was just like, ugh. And then as I was reading, I'm like, oh, I don't think she's the problem. Also, Robbie is, I believe, 17 in this first book and Georgia is 14. Oh, I don't like that. Mm -mm. Yeah. And they also talk about, I think Ellen at one point talks about going to some party and making out with a 19 year old when she was like 13 no 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 is it is it told in a way that's supposed to be bad no it's oh uh, no yeah so that was a little bit frightening and i don't know what the like what the laws are in england around i don't care what the laws are well i (laughs) I get what you're saying of whether or not it like i don't wow okay i I mean it was Technically legal, 17 and 14, but, you know, she ages and he ages throughout the book. So what happens when he's 18 and you're 15? Oh, also, it's like just because something is technically legal doesn't mean it's okay. Like you could legally date an 18 year old. You could legally date an 18 year old high school student. But doesn't that make you like, right? Isn't that disgusting? And I would absolutely in this gross hypothetical, if you were like, hey, here's my boyfriend and he's 20, <laughs> I would give you so much shit. As you should. Yeah. Like I would. Yeah, and, I'm and, too old. Yeah. No, I, I would be like, honestly, like I would be repulsed by you. And I would be like, are you like vacationing are to pedophile okay? town? Like what is happening? Oh, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. No, I just look, if you were gross, I would call you out on it and I would expect you do the same for me. Yeah. You know what? We all need someone in our life like that. So I Mm -hmm. appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I am going to read you this description of Wet Lindsay from Georgia. So give me a moment of page shuffling. You should take a picture of your book. It's cute that it's like all wrecked and you have all your little sticky notes. Yeah. The binding is like absolutely broken on it. I've read this many times. Um, Okay. So here's my Lindsay description note. Again, this is from Georgia's voice. On my way to science class, I saw Lindsay. How wet can you be? She really is Mrs. Wet. She has the wettest haircut known to humanity, all curled under at the bottom. I saw her legs in hockey, and they are really spindly, like spindly legs, like she's been in a wheelchair and not been walking for years. And also when she is concentrating, she wears big googly glasses. I bet she keeps those well hidden when she goes out with Pratt Boy. So that's that's a little um, sneak peek into kind of the general body shaming of other girls that goes on in this book. I was going to say, I I remember a little bit when I was younger, there were points where I 
And I was kind of confused because you liked and I liked her so much. But then there are times where I didn't like her. And as a pretty young kid, that was like weirdly confusing because I processed things and just as because I was a kid, but also just like my personality for a long time was very much uh, this unrealistic you know, like you have to like everything about your friends or do you actually like them enough to be friends? And Mm -hmm. if your friend doesn't like something about you, does that mean that they don't really want to be, you know, like I had this very like all or nothing sort of mentality that when I was, um, when I was confronted with things like that, I just remember, like, I don't remember a lot from the book, but I I remember little bits. And I also remember like various feelings I had during it. And that was like one of my feelings is sometimes it made me kind of uncomfortable not like any of the sexy stuff or stuff like that, but mm-hmm. when it just seemed like she was being really mean and it. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense because I think when you are that age, you are relating so hard to her in some ways that when she does that kind of stuff, you're like, oh, well, do I like this person? Do I want to be like this person? And honestly, I think that is what makes her so realistic as a character because she isn't just one thing. And as teens and as adults, we can be mean. And especially when you're thinking these are like her innermost thoughts, like we all have some terrible shitty thoughts or things we wouldn't say out loud that we would put in a journal or something and not say because they are terrible. That is, that is a really good point to make that your thoughts aren't necessarily who you are. It it would be a different Mm -hmm. thing if she was like saying those things, but it is hard yeah, it is. It is difficult, especially because like the tone is when you're reading that, like the tone is from my recollection, like supposed to be funny. Yes. And so that's kind of why I'm like, it made me a little like, Ugh, is that the framing of it was like, this is her. These are her inner thoughts, but also like they're really funny and not like these are her inner thoughts. And like she's insecure and jealous and like analyze that like it's it's a comedic book. So I get that. I mean, that was something that I think mom was very. Um, progressive about it's just like mom was very anti-bullying and very anti like body shaming and yeah absolutely very anti like don't hate girls just to hate girls like don't compete don't feel like you have to compete with other girls in that like catty mean girls way yeah absolutely because that was a very not that it's still isn't pushed today in certain ways, but I feel like in the 2000s, that was a very normal, oh my God, celebrated thing. Is that like girls just fight? You're always jealous of each other, you're always competing. So I think it is a sign of the times. There are a lot of things in this book that we'll go over that are very much a sign of the times. And I think that was one of them where it's like the girls are fighting, they're not both coming together and being like, why do we like this guy who's yeah. playing both of us? Yeah, I absolutely think it's a very 90s, 2000s thing. I mean, one of the topics I want us to talk about is, and and we've talked about it in certain episodes, like the Paris Hilton episode, but I really want to talk more about like tabloids and 2000s celebrity, quote unquote, celebrity news. Because I think if you are in your early 20s or God forbid, younger than this and listening, (laughs) you missed, missed you were saved from yeah you I can't were even explain the the media was so gratuitous 
and horrible to women in a way mm-hmm. like not like it isn't now, but I feel like now it's more nuanced in how it's awful for the most part. Right. Before though, it was just full on, let's be awful. It's fine. Also, you should join in on being awful with us because yes. these women deserve it for not looking or acting or behaving a certain way. And it's really gross because like definitely we talked about it in the Paris Hilton episode of like we mm-hmm. fell into it. Like oh, it was so course. easy to fall into it and be like, uh, that dumb bimbo. And what's also funny is like just the idea that like not everybody is okay. So not everybody is super smart, but that doesn't make you a bad person. Like there are plenty of really intelligent people who are truly horrific. I would say there are more yeah. evil, intelligent people than there are like truly evil, dumb people. Mm-hmm. And it's really weird how we're like, okay, well, because we think not even saying that this this person is but we think this actress or this woman is dumb that she doesn't deserve respect yeah or anything like it, it's strange because i'm like how intelligent you are a lot of it is just like how you're born there are so many factors yeah and but everybody's yeah, tre- definition of what that means is different yeah but we treat it we truly treated it like it was a i mean i know it's not a pause like nobody wants to be unintelligent but it's no. not an evil thing. And we treated it like it was a chosen. And I guess sometimes people played up, but we treated it like it was this chosen, like really shitty trait. Like this person's dumb and this one is a drunk driver. Same thing, pretty much. Yeah. And it's like, no, sometimes people are just kind of airheads. And most airheads I've met are actually very sweet. Well, then they would typecast them in that. And sometimes I think that would cause people to then play into it because what else are you supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You know? I think most of us would be lying if we said we didn't have a moment where we said or did something really stupid. And if someone had caught it and spread it around, that would make us look like we were complete idiots because of one thing we said or did. Exactly. I think about this a lot, particularly when listening to some of the podcasts we do, because I was listening to one by Morbid where they covered, it was an accident. It was the Nutty Putty have you listened to that one yet? I've listened to a few familiar. different podcasts about it. So it Nutty Putty Cave incident where oh yes. the man gets trapped and he oh, dies. Yeah. And it is heart-wrenching. And what I get really frustrated about, and because I worked in news, I saw this a lot, where people die by accident a lot. People do something that, yeah, it seems dumb or it's like, that's so risky. And I just want to say, People do not deserve to be punished by death for it. No. Every time you make a mistake and it's like a big mistake and you don't have horrible consequences, it's like, great, that's a learning experience. That's what mistakes are for. Mm-hmm. I hate, and this is something that just like listening more and more to stories like this, and I think also, I don't know, like maturing or whatever, I realized that when I was younger, I probably would be like, well, he knew he was taking a risk, so... It's kind of on him. And now I'm like, yeah, he knew he was taking a risk, but it's still not like he went there to die. And people make mistakes. And also sometimes there are things where like just accidents happen. Oh, yeah. Freak accidents. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know we're kind of on a tangent, but I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And it really frustrates me where people are pretty much like because somebody made a poor decision or because you think they're dumb, their punishment is that they died and you're like happy about that. And you're like, well, that's what they deserve. I'm like, no, 
Yeah, that shouldn't be your reaction as a human. In simple terms, it's victim blaming. That's what it comes down to. It's the yeah. same thing people do when, you know, women get themselves murdered or get themselves raped. And I'm using big air quotes when I say that because but nobody sets out. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody sets out to have that happen to them. I don't care what they were doing or what they were wearing. It's sorry, you're you're incorrect. And it's just victim blaming. It makes me so, so angry because I think I have done a lot of dumb shit. I think my final note on what Lindsay is that, you know, maybe she might deserve some justice. Yeah. We might need to stop using her name in vain like we do. <laughs> we are all wet Lindsays. We all have a little bit of wet Lindsay inside. Nope. Oh, nope. Cut it. Nope. 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 Cut it. Nope. To jail. All right. Well, now that we've gotten off of our uh, wet Lindsay <laughs> tangent that went super dark. Can, as we now stand, wet Lindsay, can we be called wetties? No, never. Stop it. That's we'll see. Gross. We'll see. No, we won't. <laughs> we won't. All right. Uh, I'm making my way through the list of the other quote unquote enemies. So the next enemy are Jackie and Allison, also known as the Bummer Twins. Do you remember <laughs> them at all? I remember their names, but I don't remember like much about them. They were kind of like the rough girls at school, and they kind of bully Georgia and her friends. In the first book, they make Georgia and her group and a few other girls play light as a feather, stiff as a board in a building they're not supposed to be in at school. Mm. So they just do like stuff like that, or they're always like, they'll sneak out and put a bunch of makeup on to go like clubbing or whatever. They're just kind of like the bad girls. And if you'll remember, at their school, it's an all-girls school, and they're not allowed to wear makeup. Ooh, rebels. Yes. So they were always trying to perfect like a like a natural makeup look that wouldn't get them sent to go wash it off. In trouble. Yes. Yeah. Our next enemy is Elvis Atwood, the caretaker of the school. <laughs> <laughs> Who's apparently a real person. Who's apparently a real person. And now that... I'm really thinking about that. I'm even more disturbed because there is a part in the first book where Georgia breaks into his little hut on the school grounds mm -hmm. and finds pictures of him and the missus in the nude in some weird magazine. And if that did actually happen, mm. I just have lots of feelings about that. But we don't know. So I'm not going to make any Let's allegations. Let's say that part is fiction. That part okay. is fiction. I feel better about that. Yes, me too. The last I have on this list is Slim, the the headmaster, I think would be her actual title. And they call her Slim because she is not even hardly slim. So that would be just another example of 14-year-old girls <laughs> body shaming. She's also really mean, if that helps. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we're allowed to body shame even if people are mean. No, we're not. But that's what they call her. And I don't know or remember her actual name. So... <laughs> There we have it. Do you remember what we used to call our principal? Which one? Uh, our the high or? school one. We just no. it was just initials, but it was how we said it. No, I don't. You don't remember me. D Dub? Oh yes, I do. Yes, I and do. And how she hated it. It's like of all the things that you could have been called as a high school principal, like mm -hmm. I would take D Dub. D Dub. I forgot about that. What I love is that we attended the same high school, but we were four grades apart. So when you we're at in the high school. I wasn't there. I just love that D-Dub was consistently her nickname, like, through generations. 
I had totally forgotten about that. She pulled me out of class so many times. Why? Because... Because you were lesbian? <laughs> I mean, kind of. No, you remember uh, how I was so proud because I got to join the paper as a sophomore and you were supposed to be a junior or senior. Oh, yeah. And so I started writing for it. And then my junior year, I was the opinions editor, of course. And then <laughs> senior year, I was the editor in chief. But I wrote lots of columns where I would, I would just like, like one of the columns was about, it was about Proposition 8 in California and just how like being homophobic is lame. And then I wrote about (laughs) how not every class needs to be like a brutal AP class, but it's also ridiculous to be 17 and learning about allegedly laws and criminology and we get a fucking word search. So I had written this thing that was pretty much calling teachers out for being like, you can tell that they're just giving us homework or they're giving us tasks that do the bare minimum and some for some reason like can count as schoolwork but don't actually teach us anything and it's like be a teacher or find a different job so she started because i would write all these opinion pieces and she would call me into her office and then she would be like you know so and so is upset and i particularly remember the one about the teachers and being like do your fucking job don't give us crosswords as 17 year olds who are supposed to be learning about sociology and criminology And she was like, there are a lot of teachers upset. And I just was like, okay. And she's like, well, some of them are just like, they feel called out. And I just straight up said, they should. That was my intent. And she had no idea how to respond. And I just kind of kept looking at her. (laughs) And eventually, because she was calling me out of class for these so much, she asked me, she's like, what period should I just grab you from? And I said fifth period because I hated physics and I hated Mr. Lowe. If you're listening, you're a dick. (laughs) <laughs> I think what also teachers were pissed about, I think they were pissed because some 17-year-old was calling them on their bullshit and was right. Well, and was also asking to be challenged more. It's like, you're literally going to be mad at a student who wants to learn? Is that not the whole point? And I'm not saying teaching isn't difficult, but I'm also no. saying that it is your job. Yes, certainly. I have only had two teachers who did not like me. And it was him. And then it was a math teacher who tried to take my notebook away because I was drawing on it while taking notes. And she oh tried to pull it away and I held it. And then we were just doing a tug of war because I was like, nah, bitch, you're not taking this from me. Sid, you are so brave. Like truly, Sid, I am so scared of authority. If a teacher, a teacher could have been like, I want your entire backpack. And I would have been like, okay, you take it you're the boss. You can have that now. That belongs to you. They would have been like, can I have your identity? I'd have been like, yeah, of course. I will. Here's you're peeling your my face driver's off. license. Yeah. Here, here's my face. And like you writing the articles that you did, not only in high school, which is like hard enough to have a different opinion than anybody, but in our town, like I just didn't realize how brave you were. Oh, and that I'm just really proud. And I'm just so glad that you didn't die. Shit, me too. Uh, No, that means a lot. I genuinely felt like about being out and everything, I genuinely felt a responsibility to be out. And my thought at, and I literally would think this like when like things were really shitty and I, I need to preface this with saying this was for me, that this is not, if you can't be out 
because it's not safe or even if it is safe and Mm. you don't feel comfortable being out. This is not a comment on that. This was just for me. My thing was the only like I've repeated this since I was like 14 or 15. And sometimes when I get scared, uh, but mostly it was just about being out. I would repeat it. And it's like the only thing worse than being dead is being a coward. I truly, truly felt that. Obviously, it's not true. Get out of situations and survive no matter how. But if that's how you got through it, that's that's how you got through it. Yeah. And a lot of it was, um, it was because I was reading a lot too about um, Matthew Shepard. Did you know he and I have the same birthday? No, I didn't actually know that. Yeah. I like to send a little, I don't know. I don't really believe in heaven or anything, but I like to send a just little like happy birthday yeah. to him on my birthday. But I did a speech on him in gate and because I was like, I did a lot of pro gay shit uh, in school and whatnot. And like one of my speeches was on him and it's like, I kind of knew about him, but it was really in like probably ninth or 10th grade where I actually like did my own, like I I figured out who he was and what happened. And my thought Mm -hmm. was that like, if he could be out at a much more difficult time, not like the mid 2000s weren't great or like mid 2000s, early 2010s were were like an easy time. But I'm like, if he could be out an even more scary community to be out in and like he died for it, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to die. So I should, I should be that brave. Anyways, I'm so sorry. I did not mean for this. I thought this episode was going to be light and fluffy and here we are. Cut whatever. Honestly, it's your episode. (laughs) Cut whatever you want. If you want to cut all of my trauma out, I really don't mind because I don't want to ruin your episode. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. That's what I like about these episodes, though, because I go into it and like, yeah, I have my stuff that I want to talk about, I guess, or the research I've done. But like, I like where we end up because we do end up in some really weird places. And I think that's kind of, I don't know, for me, if I were a listener, that would be like, the fun part for me that it wouldn't just be like a book report on the first of the Georgia Nicholson series. Cause that's not really what we're here for. True. We're here for some hard life lessons. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about Georgia's family, but only a little bit because she doesn't talk about them all that much. Libby though is quite possibly one of my favorite characters. And this is Georgia's three-year-old sister. Uh, her name also is short for Liberty. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I kind of remember that. I kind of remember that because I don't think I'd ever heard that as a name before. Yes, but she always calls her Libby. Uh, I am going to read to you my favorite Libby moment from this book. Do, Do the Libby moments hit different now that you've had kids? Yes, they hit even funnier because it so reminds me of my girls when they were that age and just like how fucking nuts they are. Because I remember as a teenager reading about Libby and thinking like, I think there might be something wrong with her. Like it was funny, <laughs> but there was also this part of me that was like, bring her to the doctor. Normal? Yes. And now reading back on it, I'm like, holy shit. Like this is so funny. And I don't even know if the author had kids, but she knew what a wild three-year-old is like. And I, I love it. Okay. So for context, Georgia is, I think, like pushing Libby in a stroller down the street and they Mm -hmm. run into Robbie, the sex God. We'll start here. Uh, He smiled again. He was dreamy when he smiled. Then he bent down to Libby who true to form gave him one of her scary. I am a crazy child looks. She said, I'm the queen. And he said, are you? Oh, he's so lovely to children. 
Then Libby said, yes, I am the queen. And Georgia did a big poo this morning. (laughs) (laughs) I remember this, the big poo. Fucking Libby. (laughs) I love that child. Oh, my God. That is, though, because, like, I tell, I am so sorry. I have told some of the things that your girls have said to you to so many of my coworkers, <laughs> including the beard thing and the you getting dressed in your butt thing. I'm sorry, but I've shared it with so many people because it's so funny. Oh my gosh. No, those are those are very funny. I don't mind that you share them because I still get a laugh out of them. And oh, they're so good. It's just shit that kids say at the worst possible moment. Oh, just horrible. horrible timing but also impeccable timing oh incredible Uh, (laughs) so another thing that I love about Libby is she and I think I actually mentioned this in our one of our last episodes but she calls George's tampons George's little mice and (laughs) she uses her sanitary pads as hammocks for her dolls which is ingenious that is why we never did it brilliant right Uh, Missed opportunity. Either it actually happened and the the writer used that because like maybe she had a little sister who did that. Or if not, that is brilliant because that is how like little kids would like we get so creative with Barbies and repurposing things to be like, this is now a Barbie item. Like taking the little, you know, little swords that are toothpicks. For drinks. Yeah. And then being like, oh, Barbies have swords now. (laughs) Like little kids just repurpose and find like the silliest things and then use them for their toys. And I love that. You're right. They also, speaking of sanitary pads, because I just can't stop talking about lady stuff. My Or vagina stuff. Or vagina stuff. God, I can't remember now if it was my oldest or my youngest. But anyway, probably around that age um, because I didn't have any privacy and still kind of don't. They had seen me put one of those in my underwear. And so then one of them, again, I can't remember which one, took one of them without my knowledge and had put it like on the outside of her pants. (laughs) And luckily I did see that before she went anywhere. But I was just like, oh, honey, no. Um, No, 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 no. I can't remember if I've told this story on the podcast before, but it's like my friend when his oldest daughter was probably yeah like three or four he you know he he had to adjust his bits and tried to do it subtly and then one day he noticed his daughter was like grabbing at her crotch and his ex-girlfriend but her mom you know like was wondering too and she was like what are you doing and the the kid just goes I don't know but daddy does it Uh, lastly on my family list is just Muddy and Vaddy. She nicknames them that because uh, in German, I think it's Mutter and Vatter are mom and dad. And so she just gives them those nicknames. I don't know if we even ever know their real names. Uh, and she's basically... That checks out. Yeah. She's just kind of like embarrassed by them the whole the whole time, understandably. So as we're sort of wrapping things up, uh, I want to talk about just a few memorable moments from the first book and the series. So we can't really talk about Georgia Nicholson without mentioning the snogging scale. Do you remember the snogging scale? I you do have not. To. I, I don't. Do you think it's something you censored? You censored 
like a ton of the kissing or you'd just be like, they kissed. And then I'd be like, you just flipped two pages. I remember I'm not dumb. No, I remember distinctly you were just like, I'm not going to read this bit because I think it was just like a makeout session. And I waited until you had gone outside and I obsessively went through the book (laughs) and tried to find it and I couldn't find it. And I wanted to know the secrets you were hiding. How dare you? Well, then I will tell you about it now since you have waited so long. (laughs) Thank you. Here is their scoring system for kissing and so on. So number one, is holding hands. Mm-hmm. Two is arm around. Mm. Three is a good night kiss. Cute. Four is a kiss lasting over three minutes without a breath, which sounds dangerous. Yeah, that's tiring. <laughs> Five is open mouth kissing. Six would be tongues. <laughs> Seven is upper body fondling outdoors. <laughs> so I just have to add because people can't see this riley keeps checking (laughs) behind the curtain to make sure her children have not once again creeped down number eight is upper body fondling indoors as in in bed (laughs) nine is below waist activity oh and 10 is the full monty Mm -hmm. that'll make sense honestly yeah it kind of does it kind of does the next memorable moment for me is when she accidentally shaves her eyebrows off. <laughs> yeah, I do remember this. Not like verbatim, but I remember it. Oh, it's like one of my favorite things because I could so have seen myself doing that. Oh, absolutely. I could have seen you doing it too. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> this is, I love this part in her diary though, where she says, Through my curtains, I can see a big yellow moon. I'm thinking of all the people in the world who will be looking at the same moon. I wonder how many of them haven't got any eyebrows. (laughs) It's such fun writing. God damn. It is. I laughed out loud a few times rereading this. Like it, there truly are laugh out loud funny moments. I might have to reread it or read it like in a way for the first time. You you should as a grown up uncensored. Uncensored. (laughs) Finally. And now for a not-so-fun memory. And again, you might not remember this because I might not have even read it. Do you remember anything about Cousin James? I remember the name and kind of creepiness, but not much. Okay. That's a a correct feeling. He, at one point, so he comes to stay with Georgia and her family, and they were like really good friends as kids. So he stays in her room, like he sleeps over, and I think he's like on in a sleeping bag on the ground or something. Mm -hmm. And he just sort of like puts his hand on George's leg. Mm. And she's so uncomfortable and creeped out that she just stays still and ends up falling asleep. But then there's another moment where he comes back over for another visit and he tries to kiss her and they're cousins. I, I do remember that. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's that's upset. It, what's so weird is like this seems like it would fit with not comedy. And there are a few moments like that where things are almost put in like a comedic way that are maybe more uncomfortable and you I mean, know, like not consensual <laughs> sort of things. Sometimes, I, but I will say, like sometimes that is coping. That, very true. Very true. It was Ugh. an odd, odd set of moments. So. So there is that. Another thing, and this is something that I related very hard with Georgia on, and I think you probably will too, are all of her nose insecurities. Ah, uh, yes. 
it might honestly be one of the biggest reasons why I liked these books so much because I, I thought like, it was. I'm like, she gets it. She gets it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in this first book, but I do distinctly remember in another book in the series that she <laughs> makes a sort of like nose hammock situation <laughs> to like keep her nose from growing down and drooping too much. <laughs> I want to say she literally took like knickers and like put them around her face to like hold her nose. I can absolutely see both of us having tried that in like junior high, right? Like privately (laughs) just being like, maybe this will work. Oh, Sid, I used to. And of course I couldn't do it very hard because it's hard to do that to yourself. I would literally, I would try to my own nose to break it so that I could have it fixed. Oh, that's actually really sad. But I told David that just recently, like when in the last year, and he had the exact same reaction. He was like, "That's just really sad." Yeah, I think that counts as self harm, but also like same. But it's like I wasn't doing it as like a punishment or anything. I just thought if I could just you know, break it real quick. Maybe when they reset it and fixed it, like it would be straight. <laughs> As we know though, like when you get even just like lightly bonked in the nose, it hurts so badly. So to even try to like do that mm-hmm. to myself was an absolutely ridiculous plan, but I did try it a few times. <laughs> Here are some things, some more things, I guess that didn't age super well. So they have a PE teacher teacher named Miss Stamp. Uh, do you mm-hmm. remember her at all? Not really, no. Okay. So they reference her being a lesbian constantly. And I actually didn't remember all of these references in the book until I read it. And it's not in a positive way. And they also don't actually know if she is or not. They just sort of, I think it's because she's not married and a PE teacher. And so they, they'll make comments too about how like, you know, they'll be in the showers and they want to get out before she comes in because she's like going to watch, you know, that sort of thing where it's like, you don't actually know if she is. And even if she was, what you're talking about is being a pedophile, which is not the same as being a lesbian. So those are two different things. And Georgia also constantly worries about being a lesbian when she doesn't have a boyfriend. There's a moment, too, where Jas calls her a lezzy when Georgia holds her hand at one point. Unfortunately, it's a sign of the times because I feel like that was very normal. But Oh, yeah. Lived it. Reading it now, it was unfortunate because I'm like, oh, like I, I hate these parts because there's nothing funny about it and it's so ignorant. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you censored some of that, too. And I might have. Yeah. God, did I read like any of this to you? (laughs) (laughs) It was just the first, the first word of every chapter. (laughs) It became a beautiful like haiku. I mean, I remember a little bit about her worrying that she was a lesbian. And I also weirdly kind of being like, but what if she was like, but would that be a bad thing? Yeah, for me, it was a little different. I mean, it wasn't like, would that be a bad thing? But it was all it was like that kind of weird, like, why do I want that. (laughs) Okay. On that same note there, I mean, there's no LGBTQ representation whatsoever in these books, Um, at least nothing positive, I guess. So Mm -hmm. 
That's unfortunate, obviously. Um, Georgia also makes a joke about her dad being a transvestite because she finds some sort of apron situation in one of his drawers when she's looking for something. I'm still not sure what this apron was, but... It sounds like just because like she sees aprons as feminine and is like... Maybe. Yeah. I think it was... The yeah, f- that doesn't age... No, it doesn't age well. I think it was the fact, too, that like it was in like a drawer, like maybe where he would keep more intimate stuff. Like you'd think maybe an apron would be like hanging in the kitchen or something. I don't know. Maybe her dad just liked to be naked and put an apron on when he was having alone adult time with his wife. Well, and I did kind of wonder that because I don't have the quote in front of me, but her mom explains it in such a weird cagey way that still doesn't make sense to me this day that I did wonder if it was something like that. And it bothers me that like as an adult, I still can't figure it out. (laughs) You're just too naive. Yes, truly. I was like, I still don't understand that. We kind of went into this earlier throughout our tangents, but there is, again, a lot of personal body shaming and body shaming of other girls in the books, which doesn't age well, is not nice, et cetera, et cetera. So my um, test for these is usually like, would I let the girls, you know, watch it, read it, whatever. I'm kind of torn on this one because I did ultimately enjoy rereading it because I remembered so much of it and I remember reading them to you, which is like such a good memory. And there are just genuine laugh out loud moments. Her brand of humor is like just the way she wrote this character. You truly think that you're reading a teenage girl's diary. Like you can relate to her on so many levels, even the ones that are maybe not so great. But obviously for like the problems that we just talked about, it's a hard one. I feel like if they were old enough that we could have a discussion about those things, that I would still let them read them. That's kind of where I'm at. So I definitely wouldn't say that these are like, put them away, never read them again by any means, because I think parts of them do still hold up and the humor is so great. But I think I'd need to be careful about going into them with the girls and explaining some of the things that aren't okay, which I mean, some of them probably know anyway, or would know at that point. I guess what I'm saying is like so much of it is relatable from the teenage experience. But there are some things that you sort of don't want them to almost like start imitating. Like if they don't have those insecurities, you don't necessarily want them to think like, oh, I should have those insecurities, or I've never thought about that. At the same time, they're exposed to so much in media that I think that comes down to more of just like having those conversations with your kids. Yeah. And parenting and yeah. Then thinking like one book is going to mess them up. So that, I guess that's where I I sit with it. I think that's a really good stance on it that like right now, I imagine you would not let your oldest read them. No, there's too many complicated things that I'd have to lay out there for her. Yeah. She's definitely not old enough now, but I feel like once she reached a certain age, it, it would be okay. I think like you were saying, there's some things that like they already know would be wrong. If they read those bits, they would probably be kind of confused and uncomfortable of like the kind of shitty homophobic yeah. bits. I feel like you would have to explain because I feel like they wouldn't get it of like why they're saying that and acting that way. 
Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I started to think about too, is like, well, yeah, they'll probably read that and be like, why are they, why are they saying those things? Like what's wrong with them? Yeah. So I think it'd be more of a, yeah, just kind of talking with them about how, you know, unfortunately that's how some people thought and just have that discussion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But no, I could totally see, I could totally see them when they're like older And it's like more age appropriate. I could see them liking them and finding them really funny. And like all the pranks that they pull at the school and stuff are so ridiculous and funny. And they take it so seriously, though, like the planning of these pranks. Mm -hmm. And there was like one where they had, I can't remember if it was a substitute or if it was their like, they had like a religion teacher that was super nervous. And I don't even know how to describe her, but what they would do is like every time this teacher like turned towards the board, they would really quietly all move their desks back like an inch. <laughs> and so by the end of the class, they were all at like the back of the wall squished oh together. God. And just like stuff like that where I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's so dumb, but it's so funny. I love pranks like that that aren't like mean ones where you're not like hurting or scaring yeah. or upsetting somebody, but it's just like this ridiculous. Oh God, that's so fucking funny. Yes. Or like, do you remember the beret hijinks? Because they had to wear berets on their way to school for some reason. Oh, my God. So they were always planning ways to wear their beret in a way that was still technically wearing it, but was hardly showing. So one time they like pinned them to the very backs of their heads. So like you couldn't see them or they like did the sausage method and they like rolled them up teeny tiny like sausages and then just like pinned them back in their hair and just stuff like that that they would have like meetings on to discuss like what they were going to do with their berets that term that feels it just feels so high school but like in (laughs) the best way right oh I love that I honestly would recommend these books just knowing that you're going into some stuff that hasn't held up well but they are genuinely funny even as an adult I still laughed Mm -hmm. at them and I would like I hope that you do read a couple of these books like on your own because some of it you will remember and some of it will be totally new to you because I <laughs> censored, censored it from your life. <laughs> I kind of love that because did mom ask you to or did you just do it because you're a good older sister? Or like, a- I think I just did it because I, you know, I think part of it was like, ooh, I don't know that that is age appropriate for her. And I think part of it too was maybe some discomfort on my end. I was going to say some like embarrassment. Yes, even reading some of those parts out loud. So I think it was a little bit of both. But that I think that is really cute that like you you took into account like what was age appropriate for me. You really, I said, you really were a good big sister. <laughs> what <laughs> happened? What happened? I think it was around 32 when, no, but it's, it's something that like, you did a lot of really just thoughtful things like that. You did kind of suck in like high school years. <laughs> no, you did. I know. Yeah, I did. I did. But you know what? You came back really strong. Like you had a great recovery. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I hate to cut things short, but I really better get back upstairs. Um, <laughs> it's also been over two hours, so you're not cutting it short. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. You're going to have so much to edit, Obi. Guys, it's going to take so long. That's okay. This was this was fun. And we had some unexpected moments and that was fun too. <laughs> Maybe not Christ. fun, but like, you know. Yeah. I need to get back to therapy, to I think. <laughs> if you want fun, lighthearted, we've got it. If you want 
dark and morbid, we've got that too. Get up in our DMs and worship us. No. Sid and Riley. We can't come to the phone right now, so leave a message after the beep. Ruining Our Childhood was filmed in front of a live studio audience. Psych. But it is produced by us, Riley and Cassidy. With music by Joseph Tuna Medish. You can follow us on Instagram at Ruining Our Childhood Pod. Or send us an email at ruiningourchildhoodpod at gmail.com. Support the show through our coffee account, ko-fi.com slash ruiningourchildhoodpodcast. Later.